0: Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica.
1: Good morning. Coming up on this edition of Sunday Focus, I'm being joined in the studio with the meteorologist in charge for the National Weather Service in Sioux Falls, Todd Heikamp. The weather in Sioux Falls and throughout the state of South Dakota has been pretty active so far this season. But is this active weather out of the ordinary for the city of Sioux Falls and throughout the surrounding areas? Todd Hyken talks about the role that the National Weather Service plays here throughout the Sioux Empire, the numbers that we have seen so far this storm season, and he'll even break down the first major storms that took place on May 12th and the Memorial Day weekend. All that and more coming up on Sunday Focus.
0: You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom
1: or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado.
0: Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
1: Welcome back to another edition of Sunday Focus. I don't know if anybody's noticed recently, but the weather here around the Sioux Empire and in Sioux Falls, it's been pretty crazy. A very active weather season to say the least. And someone who knows a lot more about the weather than myself for sure is Todd Heitkamp. He is the meteorologist in charge for the National Weather Service here in Sioux Falls. Hey Todd, good morning. Good
0: morning. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's been crazy, like I've been saying. And there's a a lot to go over, especially with what has recently happened. But before we get into that, let's just talk about the National Weather Service itself. What does the National Weather Service do for those who aren't familiar with the organization?
0: Well, the Weather Service is nothing new. We've been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We used to be called the U.S. Weather Bureau, uh, and then that was changed to the U.S. National Weather Service. And uh, we have over 140 offices across the entire nation, and we are lucky enough to have one right here in Sioux Falls. Uh, The other two in South Dakota are uh, Aberdeen and also located in Rapid City. And then the other ones around us are, include Omaha, Des Moines, and Minneapolis. And so what these National Weather Service offices do is we provide forecasts on a daily basis, but the main reason why the National Weather Service exists across the entire country is to issue the watches and warnings to protect lives and property. Uh, if, you know, there's, we're the only agency By, you know, mandated by Congress that can issue tornado watches and warnings. There's not another business or agency or station that can do that. We are the ones that are in charge of doing that. So that's why the National Weather Service exists.
1: So what's the role for the National Weather Service when it comes to the specific offices, say for Sioux Falls, for example?
0: Yeah, each of the offices are giving what we call a, I'll use a technical term, a county warning area, meaning mm. the, the counties that we are responsible for issuing the warnings for. Here in Sioux Falls, we're responsible for 45 counties. We have a portion of four states, Southeast South Dakota, Northeast Nebraska, Northwest Iowa, and Southwest Minnesota. So anytime storms enter those, uh, those counties, and they are severe, we are responsible. For issuing the warnings for those counties, and so all the counties across the United States are separated or divided out uh, to uh, uh, you know a National Weather Service office that is responsible for issuing those watches and warnings for those those counties.
1: So, how did you get involved with the National Weather Service, Todd? Describe your position, the meteorologist in charge.
0: <laughs> well, like I mentioned, uh, th- you know that title fifty cents may get you a cup of coffee, but that's going to be about it. But you know, uh, it's one thing. I grew up in Adrian, Minnesota, you know, which is a town. 30 miles east of here. And uh, I knew in the fourth grade that I wanted to be a weather forecaster. Uh, I grew up watching Dave Dedrick and Ken Hirsch, the two uh, icons of uh, Sioux Falls weather uh, on TV stations uh, here a number of years ago. And, um, you know, went to school at the University of Wisconsin, got my degree in meteorology, and my love for weather continued. And I wanted to be, you know, I have a face for radio, as uh, people say. (laughs) And so uh, I didn't want to be on TV. I wanted to be where things were happening, on the ground floor of issue in the warnings and, and really trying to make a difference. And so that's where uh, it led me to the National Weather Service. I've been in the Weather Service now for 35 years. Uh, I've been here now in Sioux Falls since 1994. Mm. Uh, before that, I was in Denver, Colorado. But again, the reason why... I'm with the Weather Services. I wanted to come back to Sioux Falls to really hopefully make a difference, put a face to the name of the National Weather Service, face to the National Weather Service, and also, you know, change people's attitudes on, uh, you know, what they can do to protect themselves when it comes to storms. I think we've done a pretty good job of that over the the years. I think we still have a long ways to go. Mm -hmm. uh, But the National Weather Service uh, is the place that, honestly, I get to do my hobby as my job. I love doing my job uh, and being in charge uh i am in charge of a great bunch of men and women out at the office that love doing the same thing that i love doing uh that they're in it not not for the notoriety they're in it to keep people safe and that's uh really what it comes down to
1: 35 years wow
0: yes i feel that old after
1: <laughs> after the
0: past couple of weekends it's really starting to take a toll but yeah 35 years and so uh, it's, uh, I've always been known as the weather guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, sooner than later, the retirement will be coming my way and we'll decide what the, the next uh, chapter of my life will be.
1: In those 35 years, what's probably the craziest weather pattern you've experienced, whether it's here in the Sioux Empire, and Colorado, what you've mentioned?
0: I've been on, uh, you know, I'm one of the three tornado experts across the entire country. Mm. Uh, the, the other ones have retired and moved on. And uh, I've, oh, I've seen many... Uh, tornadoes in my lifetime. I have seen many uh, towns that have been ravaged by tornadoes afterwards. Uh, so I would say since I've been here in Sioux Falls, the, well, honestly, in my entire career, probably June 24, 2003, uh, the day of the Manchester tornado when we had 67 tornadoes um, in one day yeah. and actually an eight-hour period. That was probably the craziest wow. uh, moment of my career. Uh, we've had other ones, but uh, that, one, that one definitely stands out.
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, just to – I remember as a kid, I was always interested in the weather, and the running joke was, oh, you're going to be a weather lady. Yep. No, I was scared <laughs> of, of storms like tornadoes and stuff like that. So when you saw your first one right up close, were you like, wow, this is what I worked for?
0: Yeah, I mean, the first tornado that I seen, uh, I can remember that uh, when I was uh, still a teenager in Adrian, and so I was, was not in the business at that point in time. But what got me interested in weather was lightning because I just mm. – I'm, I'm still to this day is fascinating I'm fascinated with lightning but when i saw my first tornado after working with the national weather service uh yeah the, and that's what it really came down to but i think one thing that really hit home for me was the first tornado warning i ever issued uh, as a uh, employee of the national weather service was in waterloo iowa mm. and i remember uh, sitting at the radar issuing the tornado warning going home thinking yeah todd you did it you did a great job <laughs> you issued a first tornado warning and then on the news i found out that uh, four people had lost their lives mm. uh, when they heard the tornado warning being issued, they got in their vehicle, the two grandparents and their two grandkids got it in their vehicle and left the safety of their own home mm. to avoid the tornado, and the tornado hit their vehicle and killed all four. Mm. Uh, that brought reality back to me at that point in time. It said, we have a long ways to go. We can issue the warnings, but we still need people to listen to them.
1: Absolutely. You know, there have been a lot of questions surrounding the recent weather activity. It's no surprise being in the Midwest, you're going to see a lot of, chaotic weather and you know would you say this has been the most active weather season so far for Sioux Falls and the surrounding areas
0: uh no not not at all I mean we've 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 issued more warnings than what we have in the past couple of years and probably since 2004 I think that was the highest number of warnings that we've issued so we've we've had more active springs than this before Uh, but I think we've had some uh, stronger storms uh, earlier on in the storm season than we 've ever had before, uh, and especially wind uh, events like what we saw uh, earlier in the month of may mm-hmm. uh, so you know those types uh, types of events stand out and there 's no doubt about that but uh, as far as active severe weather season, uh, you know most of our severe weather season is from the first of May to let 's say the first part of July, uh, so this is pretty much on par as far as uh, the se- the number of storms, but the severity is definitely up there as far as uh, non-tornado events.
1: Break down the numbers. So how many severe weather warnings would you say have been issued so far this year? Rough estimate. Yeah, over,
0: I would say about 100 and well over 175, roughly, you know, and so it's the highest number that we've issued since I mentioned uh, 2004. Uh, we've had a higher number of tornado warnings uh, than what we have had in, in the past 10 to 15 years. Uh, and again, that's the the challenge that we have is that there's these the past few years, we've had these weaker tornadoes that have formed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they form, they, they don't last that long. And uh, so us, for us to get the warning out uh, in advance of the tornado forming has v- been very challenging, to say the least. Uh, and it's also thrown up a lot of uh, you know, questions on whether or not we can actually do that and uh, how does the po- public respond to that.
1: Absolutely. Is there a record currently for the amount of weather warning issues out there?
0: Well, I, well, there's the highest number. I don't know that off the top of my head, Christine, at yeah. this point in time. But I will tell you that, uh, you know, we're a ways away from that. because. But, again, we still have a large chunk of our severe weather season yet to go. We're yeah. only talking about the first uh, two, you know, first week or two of uh, June. Uh, so we still got some time to go yet. And, uh, you know, ho- I'm hoping for a much calmer remainder <laughs> of the summer. Uh, but, uh, you know, around here we go from winter to summer real quick, and that's what happened this year.
1: Absolutely. No. Now, typically, how many warnings could be issued a year? Again, another rough estimate. Yeah,
0: on average, you know, I will tell you on average, we see about 20 tornadoes, and that's mm-hmm. confirmed tornadoes. So when we're talking about tornado warnings, it could be, let's say, 40 to 50, something like that. And then uh, uh, severe thunderstorm warnings, you're probably talking on average 150, somewhere thereabouts. But uh, again, no, that's just a rough estimate.
1: If you are just listening to us, I'm being joined in the studio with Todd Heikamp. He is the meteorologist in charge for the National Weather Service here in Sioux Falls. Now, one of the first major storms that took place, here we go, the first one, May 12th, not only did this storm affect Sioux Falls, but it affected the entire eastern portion of the state, which is almost unheard of in this day and age. Uh, There were a couple of names being thrown around what this storm actually was. Some were saying it was a derecho, and others were calling it a haboob. Yeah, haboob. Yeah, so let's talk about each of these storm systems. What are they, how are they're like and how are they different?
0: Well, you know, I was actually one that uh, I sent out a tweet saying that this looks like a haboob coming yeah. towards Sioux Falls. And what a haboob is is basically a dust storm. Uh, a windstorm that's picking up a lot of dust and as it's advancing to you, uh, towards you, you can't see anything behind it. It's just a, a large dust cloud. And very common down the southwestern part of the United States and also in the Middle, middle Eastern countries. Uh, we don't see them around here too often, but what, allowed, what happened here is that you had strong winds with this storm, and all our topsoil at that time of the year is exposed to the wind, and it picked up a lot of that topsoil and was pushing it towards us at that point in time, and that's what gave us that appearance of a haboob or a large dust storm. Uh, we now call it a deratio, and we don't call it a deratio ahead of time. We, uh, we wait after the fact because there's criteria that it has to meet before it is classified as a deratio, and it has to be you know 80-plus mile an hour winds, and it has to be over a four- to five-hour time frame. That storm has to last that long. Mm. Uh, so that's why it's, you know, it wasn't called that that day, but it was, has since been uh, determined uh, and labeled as a deratio. I, the main thing I, I want people to understand here is I don't want them to get hung up on terms. Mm-hmm. You know, what scientists call a particular storm, let scientists worry about that. I want people to worry about the terminology that we use in the watches and warnings so that you know when it's time to take uh, shelter at that point in time. Uh, don't, don't worry whether or not we call it a haboob or a deratio or a squall line or whatever it may be. That's, that's the scientist uh, in me at that point in time.
1: Absolutely. I remember my uncle was visiting in town and that was a that he was going to go back to the Chicago area. And I said, oh, I, I don't know if we would get on the road at this time. Maybe you want to leave earlier in the day. So right around, I want to say four 45, five o'clock in the afternoon, that's when I saw, okay, it's getting a little bit darker. And I was on the phone with my boyfriend too. And I'm like, wow, this is actually looking like there's going to be a big storm happening. And then I saw like what you had mentioned, that topsoil and that dust just blow through. I actually closed the blinds at yep. one point because I'm like, okay, this is kind of scary. I don't know if I should be going down in the basement or not. And he's like, you know, does it sound like a freight train? And I said, no. He's like, do you hear a warning? No. And then he's like, okay, then I guess you're just fine being in your, in your place. But it was definitely scary seeing those pictures and how dark it was. I mean, five o'clock in the afternoon, I was telling my, my family back home, it looked like it was midnight. It was
0: pitch black. And then, and I saw the storm. We, obviously we saw the storm coming and I stepped outside the office uh, and look to the southwest, and you could see it. And I said, oh, boy, it's getting real right now. And, I, you know, you look at your watch, and we had t- given people ample warning. Yeah. We had issued the severe thunderstorm warning, uh, you know, 20 to 30 minutes in advance of the storm hitting Sioux Falls. Uh, but it was the timing of the event. You know, at 5 o'clock at night, uh, with people leaving their homes, mm-hmm. uh, leaving work to go home, and everything else, the number of people that were on the road, it could have been a lot worse. And the other thing that could have w- made it a lot worse, Christine, is that if we would have had this that storm there, over the Memorial Day weekend uh, storm that we had a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. it could have been, I doubt if there would have been a tree left standing and mm-hmm. that, because all the trees now have leaves on them. And so when you have that amount of wind on a, a fully leafed out tree, there's a lot more resistance, and that's going to cause that tree to go down. Where in May, tw- uh, with the Haboob or the Doratio event, I should say, uh, on May 12th, that one there actually, uh, we didn't have a lot of trees uh, with leaves on it. So that wind was able to just kind of sweep through that tree. And the only ones that really were affected by that storm were the large evergreen trees uh, because they were, uh, you know, they're fully leaved uh, as they always are. And they, uh, basically are a wind block and can uh, fall down pretty quick.
1: Yeah, it's truly amazing when you go back and look at those videos and pictures of that day. What, in the end, what kind of damage did eastern South Dakota and Sioux Falls experience? Are we talking rain, hail, tornadoes? With
0: that event there, was mainly strong winds. We're talking 80-plus mile an hour winds. We had wind reports up to 107 miles an hour, and I think that was right outside of Madison. Uh, But uh, there was mainly wind reports with that one. Then, as the storms went further north you know the the main storm went into western minnesota and then more storms developed uh, across uh, northeastern south dakota and they spawned tornadoes uh the Mm -hmm. one town tornado the town that was hit by the tornado was uh, castlewood Mm -hmm. and everyone was familiar with that so they kind of transformed as they moved into northeastern south dakota but around here in southeastern south dakota southwestern minnesota it was mainly all strong straight line winds
1: so, officially or unofficially, what would you call this storm as? Well, officially, it's called
0: a deratio. <laughs> uh, in layman's words, strong straight line winds and 80-plus miles an hour. That's, uh, that was, is that what was responsible for the majority of the damage.
1: You know, this storm system in particular, it raised a lot of questions in regards to the tornado sirens and ways to stay up-to-date with the weather. What did the National Weather Service do in order to keep everyone up-to-date with the latest information? You know,
0: the, well, let's put it this way. I mean, uh, I mentioned it in our news conference shortly after the uh, storm event, that if you did not know that severe storms were possible that day and did not know that that storm was coming, I want you to really check yourself, mm-hmm. find out really what you were doing, what how you can better gain access to weather information, because we were talking about severe storms uh, that day, two to three days out in advance, mm-hmm. uh, saying that these, this was going to happen. And then, like I said, as uh, things were unfolding, we issued a tornado, uh, tornado watch at that point in time, uh, and a severe thunderstorm watch, telling people that uh, this is a particular dangerous uh, situation. And uh, then we issued the warning saying that 80-plus mile-an-hour winds were going to hit at the city of Sioux Falls. So, uh, people should have been aware of that, and uh, you know. And I, I really start to shake my head when yeah. I hear people that were standing outside looking at this thing. You know, yeah, you want to. You're curious because you've never seen it before. I, I get that, but uh, when you're talking about 80 mile an hour winds hitting you, that's. You know that's like an EF one tornado, uh, and so people need to be aware of the danger that winds pose. And hopefully, after this event and the last and the Memorial Day event, people have a better appreciation for that.
1: When it comes to a strong storm system like the one on May twelfth and the one from Memorial Day weekend holiday, do you also communicate with the local news stations just to coordinate a plan to keep everybody informed?
0: We well, we work closely with the media, uh, yeah. radio and TV, and uh, you know we let them know what's going to happen. And obviously, anytime we issue Issue a, a warning. Uh, you know, they take action. Uh, you, your station here, uh, yep. uses the emergency alert system to, to uh, alert people. Uh, TV stations will also go on air uh, at that point in time and let them know that we've issued a warning and then uh, use their visual uh, communication techniques to let them know, uh, you know, where the storm is at and where is it going.
1: Since the tornadoes in 2019, there have been a lot of questions surrounding the use and the proper use of the tornado sirens. Can you explain the difference between those tornadoes that happened in 2019 to what transpired on that day in May?
0: Well, on May 12th, uh, we did not issue a tornado warning. So the sirens were not going to be activated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, don't, we do not activate the sirens. I'll make sure people understand that. That is done by local authorities uh, in the city of Sioux Falls. And I'm not going to speak on their behalf, but their policy is that they do not not activate the sirens uh, for anything other than tornadoes. Mm. Uh, So when we issue a tornado warning, such as what we did for 2019, uh, those sirens will be activated. If we issue a warning, a tornado warning for any part of the city, all sirens in that city of Sioux Falls will be activated. And so when you hear them, you need to take action. But people have this false idea You know, you're going to hear those sirens no matter where you're at. Those sirens are outdoor sirens. Mm -hmm. They're made to warn people that are outdoors to get them inside to find out more information. If you're at home, especially like the, uh, you know, on both events, uh, May 12th, but also during 2019, that was when a lot of people were in bed, you're not going to hear it, number one, because you were maybe asleep, but Mm -hmm. number two, uh, with the wind that's going at that point in time, that's maybe carrying the sound away from you. Uh, So, again, you have to have multiple methods to receive that warning information you you need to have the a weather radio commercial radio commercial tv You know, the uh, outdoor warning sirens, and then also your phone. Uh, Again, all tools that you can use to make sure you hear that uh, word of warning.
1: And I believe with those sirens, that's normally in a 10-mile radius. If a tornado, say, is in the city of Sioux Falls within 10 miles away, that's when the sirens would usually go off, correct? Well,
0: I can't answer that completely Mm. because that's going to be a city of Sioux Falls question. But like I said, all I can tell you is that when we issue a warning, we draw a box Of where that storm is located and where that storm is expected to be traveling towards. If any of that box hits any part of the city of Sioux Falls, then the sirens will be activated for any tornado warning at that point in time.
1: If you are just listening, Todd Heikamp with the National Weather Service here in Sioux Falls, he's joining me in the studio to talk about all the severe, crazy weather that we've been experiencing. Now, with the latest storm system that happened Memorial Day weekend, that also raised some <laughs> questions, believe it or not, um, about the alerts on their phone. Now, I did receive a re- alert for the phone on May 12th, but this time around, I didn't. But the tornado sirens Those did wake me up. So, again, this just adds more questions for people. Why did some phones go off and others didn't?
0: Yeah, you know what you're talking about is the wireless emergency alert system. Mm. Uh, every phone is equipped with that. Every smartphone has that system. And for some of you, you may actually have that uh, feature turned off. If you uh, did not receive a warning notification on either one of the events or haven't seen anything or don't know what we're talking about, I would suggest that you go to your cell phone provider and find out you know, what more about uh, that, uh, that uh, service and making sure that that's been actually turned on. I can't answer, Christine, why some phones yeah. went on and when some, uh, some, phone, some phones did not go off on May 12th. They should not have gone off on May 12th uh, for most of the people of city of Sioux Falls because we only issued one tornado warning uh, for, you know, let's say southern Sioux Falls, which would be no, northern Lincoln. Yep. And then also one in extreme eastern Minneapolis County for, let's say, mm-hmm. just west of Brandon. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> really what people need to understand, it's not where your cell phone is located. It's what cell phone tower you're actually on at that point in time. So really what it comes down to is that if you were locked into a cell phone tower in Brandon and you live in Eastern Sioux Falls, you're probably going to get that warning notification on your phone. Your phone's going to be alerted. Mm. So it's not where your cell phone is located. It's what cell tower you're using at that point in time and where that cell tower is located. If it's in the warning area... Your f- cell phone will be activated.
1: And during that Memorial Day weekend, what kind of storms did we see here in the Sioux Empire?
0: Again, mainly a lot of strong winds. Uh, there was a few uh, what we call embedded uh, weaker tornadoes on the front edge is a tor- storm. That uh, you know, right along uh, 41st Street or just north of 41st. Uh, My south area, <laughs> yeah. once so, again, <laughs> south of Augustana. That saw a little bit of a quick spin up tornado, and that's the challenge that we have because the main threat, Christine, on both of these events is not the tornado. Mm hmm. It's the strong winds that are coming at you at you know 80 to 100 miles an hour. These weaker tornadoes are probably going to add another 10 to 15 miles an hour uh, on top of that. So that's the challenge. And the question that we in the National Weather Service have is how, how do we best handle these situations? Do we issue a severe thunderstorm warning and tell people that these winds are going to exceed 100 miles an hour? We want you to take shelter for, uh, for this storm just like you would for a tornado. Mm. Uh, the problem with that is that I know how many people... People take shelter when we issue a tornado warning. Not very many. Most people ignore the warning. Uh, And when we issue a severe thunderstorm warning, there's even less people that take that warning seriously. So that's the the huge challenge that we have in trying to figure out how can we get the public to respond in the manner that we want them to uh, to protect
1: their own lives. For the difference for me in 2019. Uh, when my power went off, that's when I knew, okay, let me go down in the basement because I first saw the severe thunderstorm warning on my phone and I said, Ah, oh, that usually cancels out a tornado warning sometimes. But then once I thought that the power went out and I just looked outside and I saw that that wind starting to, uh, to funnel around along with my neighbors saying, okay, are we going to go downstairs? And I said, yeah, I'm going to go downstairs. <laughs> and this time around hearing the tornado warning. My boyfriend, his first tornado, he shot up. He's like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? He forgets his shoes going down the stairs. And I just said, you know what? Next time, you just got to remember your shoes. He's like, there's going to be a next time. And I just said, well, yeah, this is the Midwest. This is this time of year. So besides what we've already have seen, Todd, what else can we expect to see throughout the summer? Well, let
0: me back up a little bit here. I I think you're hitting on a key point, Christine, is that where we talk about people don't listen. They hear the warning. But they don't take action. Mm -hmm. What they wait for is some visual confirmation of what's actually taking place or confirmation from a reliable source, such as a mom or a a relative of some sort saying, hey, you better get to shelter. It's coming your way. Mm -hmm. That's the problem that we have is that people, they don't believe us. And so they, they, they want to have a second confirmation one way or another, whether or not it's your own eyes or someone important. So, again, as we head into the rest of 2022 severe storm season, I'm really hoping that it's a little bit calmer. Uh, But, you you know, we need to be prepared for whatever Mother Nature throws at us. But the main thing that people need to understand is that when we issue any type of warning, severe thunderstorm warning or tornado warning, I want people to listen to the warning, find out what communities are impacted by that warning find out what the threat is going to be, and then make sure ahead of time you know what you're actually going to do. And not only you, but you and your coworkers, your family members, be prepared because, as you mentioned, there is going to be a next time.
1: Absolutely. Now... When you block out what people are saying in the peanut gallery, Todd, in your opinion, do you think the public was well informed about the severities of each of these storm systems? And is there anything that maybe you would do differently?
0: Well, again, anytime we go through an event like the two that we were talking about, we always take a good hard look at it, whether... And from the National Weather Service side of it, or from a, a local authority working together uh, with the city of Sioux Falls or whatever community it may be, I think the National Weather Service, my staff provided uh, provided a great level mm-hmm. of service and, and, and did the things that they were supposed to uh, do at that point in time. I think where we get into the peanut gallery or the excuse me the second um, the second guessers or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say it really comes down to the fact that you know they really didn't know what they should be doing. And so they want to blame someone. And if you want to blame the local authorities, you want to blame the National Weather Service, that's fine. But I want you to take a good, hard look at yourself and figure out, am I really prepared? Do I really know what to do? And if you feel uh, that your safety is being jeopardized by whatever weather events come in your way, I hope that you actually take shelter and you don't wait for the siren to go off or for a warning to be issued. I want you to take shelter at that point in time.
1: Once again, this is Todd Heikamp. He is with the National Weather Service here in Sioux Falls. Todd, what's that website that people can go follow you guys and even your Twitter information? That's another good <laughs> resource, too, by yeah, the way. we're on
0: social media, so the best thing that you can do on Facebook or Twitter is just search for U.S. National Weather Service Sioux Falls and uh, f- follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. All our warnings will be on Twitter. They will not be on Facebook because of uh, the algorithm issue. Uh, <laughs> but then also our website is weather.gov forward slash Sioux Falls. It's in another great way to stay up to date with the forecast. Uh, But as far as warning information is concerned, I would recommend Twitter at that point in time. And make sure, uh, when you're talking about social media, you follow a credible source. Mm -hmm. Do not follow these fly-by-night chasers or fly-by-night, whatever it may be. Follow a credible source, such as your local media station, uh, the National Weather Service, local authorities, but make sure it's credible.
1: All right, awesome. And Todd, in the break of all this weather, I hope you enjoy some fishing too. (laughs) I hope I do to sometime soon hopefully <laughs> all right thanks for joining us todd you bet thanks for having me all right we'll be back here's a news flash for you more than 70 percent of fatal crashes in south dakota happen on rural highways and local county roads hi i'm trooper Whitaker with the south dakota highway patrol it is important to wear your seatbelt whether you are headed to the farm or whether you are headed to the city seatbelts are one of the best ways to protect yourself while driving always wear a seatbelt don't skip the click This message brought to you by the South Dakota Highway Patrol and Results Town Square Media. I'm Christine Manica and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. I'd like to thank Todd Heikamp from the National Weather Service in Sioux Falls for joining the program today. Once again, if you have any questions about the weather here in Sioux Falls and throughout the state of South Dakota, you can always visit the National Weather Service's website and follow the National Weather Service on Twitter for the latest storm warnings and updates. Join us again next week for another edition of Sunday Focus.